listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Welcome to our debut month of I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. We'd like to encourage you to take the time to rate us on whichever platform you use to listen. Please give us a rating and leave a comment. Whenever you take the time to do that, it helps this podcast get noticed. Sharing the podcast on Facebook and Twitter also helps get the podcast out to more people. I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday, each day with a different theme. Thursdays, we encourage you to make sure your doors are locked for our suspense show, Lights Out. There is sometimes a lot of research that goes into these shows, especially when it comes to finding out what order things were aired. Fortunately, a lot of this has been done for us by different people out there. However, sometimes we get conflicting information, so decisions have to be made. To keep with consistency, we are going to follow the Radio Golden Decks. Some of these episodes we have are rebroadcast and will be aired according to their rebroadcast schedule and not the original script air date. We should also mention tonight's episode did not sequentially follow last week's according to the Radio Golden Decks, but was an episode named Uninhabited, which was traditionally Lights Out's Christmas episode. And who are we to break tradition? We will be airing that episode closer to Christmas. So between last week's episode and today, we are missing 31 shows that span almost a year. This is episode 83, originally aired March 23rd, 1938, and features Boris Karloff. It is entitled The Dream. Tonight is the fourth anniversary of Lights Out. After four years of fantasy and imagination, chills and thrills, Lights Out celebrates by bringing to the microphone the internationally known actor whose name has become synonymous with the unusual and fantastic. The National Broadcasting Company takes pleasure in presenting Boris Karloff in the first of a special series of Lights Out broadcasts. Lights out, everybody. Itself presents another psychological drama, a play in which the principal part is taken not by the character himself, but his thoughts. The voice you are about to hear is that of the thoughts of one Daryl Hall, accused murderer, sitting in a courtroom awaiting the return of a jury, which is to decide whether he is to live or die. And as he waits, the thoughts in his mind seethe and swirl. 
seas and swirls. He still has a swirl. Not guilty. He still takes Not guilty. Guilty. Father in heaven, why don't I stop thinking those words? Words those jurymen are saying. He's guilty. He's not guilty. He's guilty. Not guilty. Guilty. Not guilty. No, no, I've got to stop thinking of what's going on in that room. The jurymen. I've got to stop thinking of them. I've got to keep my head clear. I've got to figure things out. When did all this start? Yes. I remember. That night, Wayne and I were sitting in my room, talking about dreams. I remember he said... Oh, come on, Daryl. Don't expect me to believe that one. Well, I'm certainly telling you the truth. A fellow with your imagination wasting his time teaching biology to a bunch of co-ed nitwits. No, sir, you should be writing fiction. <laughs> I assure you, my dear Wayne, I've told you the truth. You're really serious? Of course I am. You actually mean that in all your life you've never had a dream? Never. Not even when you were a child? To my knowledge, I've never had a dream in all my life. Well, how do you like that? <laughs> I like it very well. <laughs> I close my eyes, oblivion, and then I wake up. No nightmare hangovers for me, thank you. Now, uh, now, wait a minute, Daryl. Let me get this straight. You mean you've never even had a dream after, uh, you know, eating a Welsh rare bit at midnight or surrounding a dozen green apples or anything like that? <laughs> Believe me, Wade. I've never had a dream of any shape, form, or description in all my life. A dream to me is just a word. Something that happens to other people, but not to me. But everyone must dream. Well, perhaps. But it just so happens that my subconscious doesn't work that way. I tell you again, I have never dreamt. Well, what do you know about that? Just unbelievable, I tell you. Unbelievable. Yes, that's what he said. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable that I'd never dreamt. Then after a while, he went away and left me there. It was early evening, but I remember that somehow, strangely, I was very tired. I sat down in the easy chair. Oh, I was so tired. I closed my eyes. I slept. And then, then it happened. A strange murmuring in my head. Yes. That's how it started. A murmuring as if in warning. And then in, in the darkness around me, strange faces lifting and falling. White faces. Faces without hope. Their eyes full of horror. Their white bloodless lips pleading wordlessly in a way that made the heart of me cry out in pity. And suddenly, I knew I was asleep and dreaming. Yes, dreaming for the first time in my life. And these faces I was seeing were things out of a dream. And even as I knew that, the dream was gone. Blackness. And yet I knew that I was still asleep. And I had a terrible feeling of foreboding, of a horror to come in that dream. What? How? I didn't know. But I wanted to stop sleeping. I wanted to open my eyes quickly before... And then I saw her moving slowly toward me out of the darkness that was my dream. At first, a white wraith-like thing, 
And I saw it was a woman. Yes, the body of a woman, but the face. Father in heaven, that face. Gross, unclean, thick, bestial brows, wrinkles of venery, the lecherous writhing of thin crimson lips that lifted from teeth, bite and pointed, and flecked with blood. Yes, a glorious body, and a face from hell. Closer, closer to me, and then she spoke one word. Kill. Yes, that's what she said. Kill. And as she said it, she moved closer. Her hands went out, her eyes in my dream, I screamed. I awoke. I remember. Just at that second, the clock on the mantel began striking. Five. Six. Seven. Thankfully, I counted each chime, since the hearing of it meant that I was awake, awake out of the horror of that dream. When the clock had stopped chiming, I sat there. My one thought was, if this be dreaming, let me never dream again. I heard a sound. What was that? I sat still, afraid to move. And then I laughed. It was my own heart. My own heart still pounding with fright at what I'd seen in my first dream. Oh, why do I sit here thinking of what has been? The jury in there. They've got to hang me. Free him. They've got to hang me. No, no, I mustn't think of that. Better to keep my thoughts on how it all started. Better to figure things out. Where was I? Ah, yes. Sitting there, listening to the beating of my heart. Thinking of the horror of that dream. And then, suddenly... That strange, wordless murmur I had heard in my dream was whispering in my head again. Quickly as it began, it was gone. How could this be? I was awake. Awake. This was no dream. Then why had I heard that wordless entreaty? That same sound that had come from those miserable white faces that had floated before me while I slept. Why? Why? I heard it. Sound behind me. Who? Why, yes, my friend Wade. Must be he. Come back into the room, standing behind my chair, thinking I was asleep. I turned round and said, Wade, is that you? Ah! Yes. I screamed. I screamed so loudly there was blood in my throat. For it was she again. That woman. That woman out of my dream. But this wasn't a dream. She was standing there, I tell you. She was standing there close to me, looking at me. And those lips out of hell said that one word. Ew. I jumped to my feet. No one in the room. No one, I tell you. I remember standing there. My head reeling. Who was she? Where did she come from? But there was no one in the room. 
Had there been anyone there? I didn't sleep that night. But by morning, yes, by morning, I had it all figured out. Two dreams. That's what it had been. And the second had been more vivid than the first. Why, of course. I'd never dreamed before. Though, of course, my first dreams would seem reality. How easy it was to quiet the unrest in my mind. Easy to make oneself believe what one wants to believe. And yet, some measure of uncertainty remained with me. And Mary saw it in my face when I had dinner with her that night. if I ask you something? What, what a question. Of course not. Is there something wrong? Oh, you mean with the dinner? Well, you know, this is my favorite restaurant. With you, dear. Has something gone wrong at the university? Why do you ask that? The worry in your eyes. Oh. What is it, dear? Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing important. You changed your mind about loving me? Mary. Then tell me what it is, please. All right. It's really nothing to concern yourself over. Just a... a dream. Dream? Sarah, you dreamed. Yes. Last night. How marvelous. Now you're normal even when you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, isn't it? I'm back to normal, dear. <laughs> and here I thought from the expression on your face that it was something really important. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? And I suppose in your first dream you dreamt of a... <laughs> glorious, seductive woman. No, Mary. Ah, did you have a nightmare? If you don't mind, let's... Let's not talk about it anymore. Shall we have our dessert now? Now, I suggest the hot green apple pie with cheese. Daryl, was it as bad as all that? Horrible. Oh, that's cruel. Your very first dream, an unhappy one. Oh, well, I'm sure that if you dream again, you've more interesting times ahead. Oh, Daryl, look at the time. A minute to seven, and we promised the Armstrongs we'd pick them up at 7.15. Daryl, what is it? Your face. Do you hear it? Hear what? You do hear it, don't you? The voices. What? Dear, what are you talking about? Well, the people in this restaurant are most well-behaved. Gone. Just the way it was before. Daryl, please, if this is a joke, please tell it to me. <gasps> Daryl, what is it? What are you staring at? What's behind my chair? What's there, Daryl? Tell me what's behind... <laughs> to know why I had done it. Screamed, thrown over the table, they all wanted to know. But how could I tell them, tell them of her, standing behind Mary's chair, that thing of degradation, and those lips saying, kill. I went home. Mary thought I was overworked. Oh, no, darling, you've been working so hard. Go home and rest, dear. That's all you need, rest. Rest, rest. What good was rest? I had to reason things out. All my life I'd lived with reason, and now this, this horror. I had to know all about it. Now, I was certain it was no dream. What I had seen there in the restaurant had been no thing of sleep. Hallucination. Yes, that was it. 
I have been working hard. Too much work was the answer, and rest would cure that. Yes, indeed. And so I rested through the next day. It was quite dark when I awoke. The phone rang. It was Mary calling to find out how I felt. Are you sure you're all right, Daryl? Why, yes, Mary, yes. I'm fine, thank you. You sound all right. Your advice was good, dear. Apparently, rest was just what I needed. Then go along back to bed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, dear. Thanks for calling. Goodbye, Daryl. Sleep well tonight. I hung up the receiver. And then the clock on the mantel behind me began striking. Always at seven. Always at seven. Always at seven. Yes, that was true. Each time it had been seven when it had happened. And then, with the last chime of the clock, I realized it was seven again. Seven. Would I see her again? I stood there, back against the wall, waiting. So quiet, I could hear the clock ticking away the seconds. Would it happen again, this hallucination of mine? I waited. I heard no pitiful murmur of voices. Just quiet. So dark in the room. I could see the shadowy emptiness of a chair near the other wall. And then the chair was no longer empty. There was someone in it. I said, who's there? Answer me, who's there? No answer. The strange darkness in the room. Deeper and deeper, I could see nothing. And then, two swirling pools of flame led right. Closer and closer. I stood there. I couldn't move. Rumbling began in my brain. Fear, I tell you. Fear tearing up my brain louder and louder while those red circles of light came closer and closer. Father in heaven, what was it? Run! And then I knew... It was her eyes, her eyes burning close into mine, into the brain of me, pounding one thought into me. Why did she say that? Why kill whom? Why should I kill? Why should I kill? If I had known then... No, not yet. Still out. Oh, they've got to find me guilty. I've got to hang. I've got to. If I live... Oh, but I mustn't think of that. I must think of what happened. Where was I? Ah, yes. That, that woman. Her eyes pounding that word into me and then... Gone again. But this was no dream. Then what? A voice within me whispered, Crazy, crazy, crazy. No, I was dazed. That horror was real, real as the breath in me. And with that realization, the coldness as of a wind blew around me and crushed at my heart. For if she was reality, somehow I knew that I was lost. And so it began. Night after night, at the stroke of seven. First, that wailing dirge of those lost souls. 
And then her writhing lips. People would see this madness that had come over me. I went nowhere. And soon I knew that they were talking of me. I tell you, I don't know come over, Daryl. Hides in his rooms, won't even talk to me. Something's wrong there. Hey, Mary. Please, Daryl, you've got to let me see you. This talking over the phone, oh, darling, what's wrong? What's wrong? And night after night, the horror of... And the greater horror of... Talk to you. Come over to my house tonight. Oh, please, Daryl. Perhaps I can help you. Please, darling, please. I didn't want to go, but I went that night. Perhaps she could help. Yes. Help me understand the madness of those wailing voices and drifting white faces. Understand the horror of that woman and that maddening world. Mary, so understanding, so gentle. She could help me clear my head of the madness. Daryl, you're here at last. Help me. You will help me. Daryl, your face is so white. Oh, I... Don't talk yet. Sit here and rest. I'm sane, Mary. Believe me, I'm sane. Of course, dearest. Of course you are. That madness outside of me. Those white, drifting faces moaning at me. Rest, darling. And that woman out of hell. Woman? Her eyes and lips telling me to... What time is it? At seven. <gasps> Daryl, what is it? I've lost track. I've got to get out of here. Daryl, don't. Wait. Don't go. Too late. Daryl, what is it? Too late. Late. You hear them, don't you, Mary? I'll go call a doctor. Listen to them. Their voices are so loud tonight. Listen, Mary. Daryl, don't. There's no one here. You hear them. You must hear them. What are they saying? Louder and louder, trying to tell me something. What are you saying, you out there? What are you saying? Faces, voices, gone. Now oh, she'll be here. Oh, please, you're right, make me. Sweet, gentle little Mary. Killed her. 
with my own hands. I opened my hands. She fell to the floor. I went out into the street. People all around me, hurrying. I was in no hurry. What that woman had wanted, I had done. I had killed. I walked all night. It didn't matter where. And in the morning, I found myself on the campus of the school, before the very building in which a class was waiting for my lecture. I went in. I walked up on the platform and looked down into their faces. I said to them, Ladies and gentlemen, my lecture for today will be on the subject of the selective factor in the evolutionary. I stopped. A murmur in the air. Those voices again. But it was broad daylight. I'd never heard those voices in daylight before. What did they want of me? What were they saying? There was a strangeness in their pitiful voices. Yes, like, yes, like a dirge, a dirge of tears and sorrow for someone. For me, yes, for me. And then, her voice, laughing, laughing, triumphant. And I understood, for the first time I understood everything. She had triumphed over me. That was why those lost souls were waving a dirge over me. I was hers. Forever. I turned and ran out of there like a madman. Ran, ran, and as I ran, those voices of the damned were talking to me. My ears and my hands, I ran. No use, I heard them, I heard them. Only one hope for you, man. One hope. Expiate your crime on the gallows. Pay for what you have done. On the gallows, and you shall have one me. hope, man. One hope. So that was it. My one hope. If I paid society for my crime, she would fail. I would be free of her, that thing, that essence of evil, that siren who called men to murder so that their souls would be slaves to her for all eternity. Yes, yes, I'd pay for my crime. I ran on, on, back to Mary's house. Yes, I'd pay it gladly with my life to have the peace of the rest of oblivion. I went back into the house. Yes. Mary was lying there, cold. I lifted her. Those same hands that had crushed the life out of her lifted her and carried her out into the sun. My eyes were so filled with tears that I could hardly see where I walked. People began milling about me. He's got a woman in his arms. Well, where's he carrying her? She must have No, look, he's dead. Who killed her? Hey, mister. Hey, mister, who killed her? I did. Who killed her? I killed her. With my own hands, I killed her. 
Please. I want to die And then the trial. My friends, they wanted to save me. Clever eternities, sanity commissions, and twists of the law. But I wanted to die. I tell you, I had to die. If they set me free, if I lived and died as most men die, the death they call a natural one, then she would have me. No, no. I want to hang by the neck until dead. I want that noose around my neck. The trap beneath my feet, the jailer pulled the switch. My feet dancing in air. The noose strangling me in my hand. Looking at the devil Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the first play in a special series commemorating the fourth anniversary of Lights Out and starring Boris Karloff. Next week, Mr. Karloff will appear in another new air drama by Arch Obler, a play suggested by the Sibelius musical composition, Walt Triest. It is a story of death and a revenge beyond death. Listen to Lights Out with Boris Karloff. Written especially for radio by Arch Obler, 
comes to you each Wednesday evening from our Chicago studios. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And I'm back. Can you imagine what it would be like not to dream? I don't mean not being able to remember your dream or not even going a night without a dream, but to have never dreamed at all. Would it drive you mad? This episode features the voice talents of English actor William Henry Pratt, better known by his stage name, Boris Karloff. Karloff is best known for his roles in horror films like the 1931 classic Frankenstein and The Mummy in 1932. He also voiced the Grinch in the 1966 TV special, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, only a few years before he died at the age of 81. That's going to do it for our program. You can find I Love Old Time Radio on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and on Stitcher. You can listen to us on your Alexa device through TuneIn. Please take the time to rate us and leave a comment. Like us on Facebook at I Love Old Time Radio. Follow us on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. Comments and questions can be directed to our website at I Love Old Time Radio.com. If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so at I Love Old Time Radio.com forward slash donate. Tune in tomorrow as we wrap up the week with Groucho Marx as he returns for another episode to You Bet Your Life. Lights Out returns next Thursday. For I love oldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny.